0: Welcome to the Jewish Education Experience Podcast with your hosts, Yasmina and Ari, who will be uncovering gems of wisdom with Jewish educators from around the world.
1: Our guest today is Samara Sophian and she is the head of school currently at the Silver Academy in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And it's so fortunate for her that she's been able to return to her um, birthplace of central Pennsylvania. Um, hello, Samara. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure. We're really looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. Um, will you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you began your journey in education?
2: Sure. Uh, I, As you mentioned, I, um, I
1: grew up in central Pennsylvania.
2: I, I actually live on a horse farm, and a couple of years ago, we moved back to that horse farm where I grew up. Um so we're really lucky to be here. So it it's um a little unusual for a girl who grew up on a horse farm in rural Pennsylvania to end up as a head of a Jewish day school. Um but I was really fortunate to get involved in USY when I was in high school and that really helped solidify my um my love of being Jewish and my connection to being Jewish and when i was in college i took hebrew and then spent a year in israel and when i came back um actually a semester in israel and when i came back i had uh gained more hebrew than um the was offered and so the hilla director who was also the hebrew teacher said that he would do an independent study with me if i would ta his um his hebrew class and uh because of that i got really interested in Jewish education and I, I loved teaching. Um, I then ended up working for Hillal doing some programming and I loved doing that. And uh, after college I went and spent um, some time doing a kibbutz opan program. And while I was there, I you know spent a lot of time figuring out what I wanted to do next and realized that a career in Jewish education would be something that would be really fulfilling and, and meaningful um help connect people to being Jewish and connect people to Israel um, was really a passion of mine. As I started the the path of becoming a Jewish educator, so I I went to the American Jewish University and um, gained my degrees in Jewish education and um, an MBA, in nonprofit management. And for a while, I worked in synagogues in running religious schools and being a you know synagogue educator. Um, And when we moved back here, the opportunity presented itself to work at the Silver Academy, and um, I'm so glad that I was able to do that. And my kids have gone to Jewish day school since they were able to, and it was so important to me for them to be able to do that. And so to be a part of their education and be able to bring my background back to central Pennsylvania has been really amazing.
0: Wow. Wow. Samara, thanks for for giving us the background. Um, Are there any educators that you particularly admire, and how far is the farm from Harrisburg?
2: So the farm is about 45 minutes from Harrisburg. Um, So I'm actually part of the Lancaster Jewish community more than the Harrisburg Jewish community with my family life. Um, It's been fun to be able to be part of both, actually. People (laughs) that I admire... You know, you sent me the list of some some questions you might ask, and this one I have been struggling with because there are so many people that I admire that um, inspire me, inspire the work I have done, that I do now, that I, I have a hard time just naming one of them. So I'd rather not. I
1: um, <laughs> understand that. <laughs> it's
0: all right, we won't hold it against you.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I actually am curious. Do you guys do um any tours at, of your farm or horseback riding? so or my my dad is an
2: equine veterinarian, a horse veterinarian, and his veterinary practice is located on the farm. Wow, so we have the business of the veterinary practice here. Um, it has a hospital and clinic here on the farm, so. Like across my driveway, I have a surgery room and I
1: wow. have
2: all sorts of things that are uh, can, are really interesting, but we don't usually do tours of the farm. We don't give riding lessons right now. Um, we have a couple of people who do keep their horses here. They board their horses here or rent portions of, of some of our barns. That's really but, cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it must be really interesting for your kids to grow up around that. They're so fortunate. They don't. They're kids, so they don't really
2: necessarily realize just how lucky they have it. Um, Their friends appreciate it more when they come here and help my kids open their eyes to what they have.
1: Nice. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It Um, is. I'm just curious. I know now you're the head of school, so your role is a little bit different than what you've done in the past. But how have you and how do you make sure to incorporate um, teaching about God in school?
2: Well, as a Jewish day school, I think God is is always present in our education process. I mean, we we connect with God on a daily basis um, through st- some of the structures we have in place, of course, through davening and through um, the different, you know, Jewish studies components that the students learn. Um, I, I think something that I've Something that has always resonated incredibly strongly with me is the concept that each and every human is created but Sallam Elokim in the image of God, and it is incumbent upon us to strive to recognize the godliness in the people around us in, in one another and I feel like that comes to everything that I do when it comes to educating children, educating people in my conversations with other people. Um, I, I often will have conversations with students about just that, um, especially if they're having conflict or something like that, where they're able to then step back and, and see the positive in somebody else or see the the strengths that God has given somebody. So I feel like that in the interpersonal relationship is a, a place that we often daily bring God into, into the school in a very concrete kind of way. Um, I think our teaching of, of Torah, our approach to studying tradition um, helps our students develop a relationship with God that is changing over time. Um, I don't know, did that answer your question? Yeah,
0: that's a great answer. Um, and so, you know, the, the word in Hebrew for education, chinuch, can be an amorphous term. How do you define education?
2: Education is the process of learning and growing and uh, it's, it's a path that we, we engage uh, with consciously or unconsciously every day. And as we live our lives, Um, you know, there's formal education that happens in school, um, informal education that happens through um, intentional experiences and, you know, then there's just the education of, of learning and experiencing life right yeah, for I feel sure. like when you bring when you're able to help draw attention to any part of that
1: education
2: that's when the growth and the magic happens right.
1: I can agree with that do you find it challenging to keep your the students connected so that they they continue to have that excitement to learn and they they don't feel like oh here I go again just going to school I don't really want to be here and they just kind of shut shut down if that makes sense sure well I think
2: go let's go back to the concept of El Kim. right God has given everybody um talents and and strengths and I think that it is one of the Privileges and challenges of of teachers to help draw students' attention to what their strengths are and use that to inspire their learning. Um, I think that every age has its, you know, has the has good ways to approach learning um, and to inspire. And that's something that's exciting for a kindergartner um, is not necessarily exciting or engaging for a Second grader or a, a middle school student, right? Right, but it's. I think the challenge of the teacher always is to help find what is going to draw this spark and the the curiosity out of a student,
0: and so that
2: will kind of fuel the intrinsic motivation to learn.
0: So, what's the biggest challenge you face as an educator? And you aside from COVID, um, <laughs> <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can imagine, I can imagine it was pretty challenging the past, you know,
2: year and a half. For sure. Yes. I have have a hard time pinpointing a biggest challenge. I think one of the biggest challenges is helping to keep people willing to be inspired. Uh, As you go in the day in and day out of, of life, it's easy to get stuck. In things, or it's easy to get uh, pulled down with with some of the drudgery or some of the challenges that don't seem to be moving. And I feel like one of the biggest challenges to education in a school is is to help people overcome that hurdle. Right. Uh, teachers, students, you know, administrative assistants, everybody—we all go through that. And to keep people motivated is, is a big challenge.
0: Yeah, um, I, I hear that. You know, because if, especially if education is all the time you know, there's obviously going to be, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. So, you know, but I guess it's worth it for those moments that are, you know, quality educational moments.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, So then how do you stay motivated as an educator?
2: Try to keep searching for new information to inform my practice.
0: Okay. So like continuing education, like as a professional?
2: Yeah, and reading articles or talking to colleagues and seeing what, hearing about what they're doing and how they're approaching challenges, how they're approaching things that are exciting, um, what are they adding to their programs. I was just in a couple of days of professional development, and that really energized me with ideas of how we can adjust school or, you know, there's always something that can be done to make an experience better. There's always room for improvement. And so I have a whole bunch of ideas of things that I want to bring into the, into the school to, you know, just to, to shift culture a little bit, to be more sensitive to the important things going on in the
1: world. Um, how do you incorporate experiences in the learning or a school day? Or how do you help encourage other educators to do that? How do we encourage? Experience? There are experiences all the
0: time.
2: Sometimes it's a matter of stopping and noticing that the opportunity has been presented on the one hand. And on the other hand, our teachers at the Silver Academy are incredibly creative. They are constantly forming experiences that are going to help our students grow. Sometimes we have to take the moment to recognize that what is matter of course for somebody is actually forming these experiences. I, it may be pointing that out to the students, Maybe pointing out to parents, Maybe pointing it out to the teacher who's engaging in all this great practice and pointing out that greatness.
0: Yeah. Sure. Uh, so for new educators who are just beginning their journeys in the field, what advice would you give to them?
2: New educators who are beginning their careers in Jewish education in particular? Yes. yes. Keep learning. Keep your chavruta partners. Find safe people that you can engage in dialogue. They'll help you, they'll help you bring out your best ideas and your best self. Um, and they will be there to support you when you encounter challenges.
1: Would that be a mentor?
2: Whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a mentor, maybe it is your Havruta partner from when you were studying prior to you know graduating from your teaching program or your smicha program or whatever it is you're doing. Um, maybe it's a trusted teacher that you had before. Maybe it's a colleague that your school helps you connect with. Uh, We have this year, we had somebody who was new to teaching and one of our veteran teachers was her mentor for the year. And they talked about everything from timing and pacing in the classroom to how to help motivate a student to, you know, how to frame something so that it will make sense to other
0: people. Yeah. Gotta keep studying, that's what we do, right? Absolutely. Okay, so now for our most controversial question. Uh, how can we help our students to build a proper Torah foundation?
2: How can we as the community or we are as educators? As educators. Live it. That is the best thing that we can do is live it. So like modeling? More than modeling. I mean modeling is important and drawing attention to what you're doing that is living Torah. Um helps significantly. If you are truly going to be a foundational educator for a child in their Torah learning, you need to embody what it means to, to be a mensch, to be a, a person who's living their life informed by Torah. Right. And like I said, sometimes that is pointing out decisions that you're making. I had a conversation with my daughter and one of her friends We were at a a nature park and um, it is custom at this space to um, engage in graffiti. And there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And we talked about how this is art and we talked about how this is self-expression. And we talked about whether we thought it was okay for somebody, a whole culture. I mean, this this space has been there since I was a child uh, with graffiti, with messages, all sorts of messages, positive, negative, all of it. We had a whole conversation about, about all of this. And how we appreciated that it's contained to this one place, you know, that this expression is there and it's important for people to be able to speak their minds. Also, the, they should have cleaned up after themselves. You know, they had left some of their spray cans there and the irresponsibility of that, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't an intentional conversation to teach me dote of Baltashkit or of respecting the environment or any of those things. It was just a conversation of, of life. But then I step back in this interview and I'm thinking about that and reflecting on it. And we were living Torah. We were talking about it. We were thinking about how our Torah teaches us to live our lives and how can we use that every day.
1: Well, I really like that example because you're showing that it is it is relevant to, Torah is relevant to what we do in our everyday lives. It's not just, you know, these books, the humash, whatever it is that we're reading and we just learn about it in the classroom but it really does pertain to all aspects of our lives. So I really like that you had that experience to share. Thank you. Yeah. I,
2: I, but I also think that it is important that we teach skills, right? That it, there, there's a, an intellectual component. We have to teach Keva and kavana, right? right. We, we have to make sure that, that we're helping kids build skills and see that they are growing in their understanding and their abilities, because right. I think one without the other is not nearly as
0: powerful.
1: For sure. Either way.
0: All right. Well, since you nailed that one, we have another controversial one for you. <laughs> okay. In your experience, do you notice there's a difference with students that come from different backgrounds? Like, is there a specific background that you see may- allows the students to be more successful? Oh, Wow.
2: I mean, I think that children who come from stable homes, whose families make a point of helping them to see their own greatness and celebrate what they like to do and who they are, are more successful students. Okay. Wow. I mean, in a Jewish school, does it matter what affiliation you have religiously, if that's part of the question? Do you notice
1: that there is a difference? Students who are coming from homes that maybe there really isn't any Jewish practice at all versus students who do?
2: We're a Jewish day school, and there are a lot of great public schools in the area. People are making a choice to send their children to Jewish day school. And so their families are making that connection already. I saw a greater difference when I was working in synagogue schools.
0: Yeah, okay. I was just going to say we've interviewed some people that have, you know, it was more Hebrew school and uh, community schools at the synagogues and stuff. And so one of the things was, you know, it's difficult, especially there because they're, you know, it's an hour a week or two hours a week. That's why I figured I'd ask you because, you know, you're actually at a school where they're full time doing this. And so, she's also
2: working
1: right.
0: Right,
2: exactly. Right, yeah. I spent 13 years running synagogue education, religious schools and um, youth group programs and all of that stuff before coming to the Silver Academy. Regardless, the thing, if if a family shows that something is valuable, and there are many ways that a family can show that to a child, then that child is more likely to find value in that, whether they are showing their value in it by rebelling against it or, you know, when they're in teen teen years or, or whatnot. Um, they're still valuing it if they're rebelling
0: against it. No, mostly um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's but, a really interesting thing then. I mean, you're saying, so you notice that. So even if, because, you know, obviously I'm sure we can all think of people that, you know, were raised in seemingly stable homes and with certain values and then they rebel against it and maybe they never come back, you know? And then there's people that have like, un, you know, what we would think as very unstable backgrounds or unstable homes. And like, they end up being um, really successful in certain ways. You're saying even the rebellion is like a okay. sign that, that they value.
2: I think so. you don't rebel against things that you don't feel strongly about. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: But but if I guess it depends on the nature of the rebellion. I mean, you know, generally you're rebelling you know, because you have a problem with it, no?
2: Sure. I guess it depends on the like you said, it depends on the nature of your your right. rebellion.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. it's interesting. I feel like maybe after all these years, you know, you can you can kind of differentiate between
2: them. often rebellion is testing boundaries. I mean there's like rebellion you know, overthrow government kind of rebellion, or something smaller on a personal level, right? right. Um, and then there's rebellion, like my parents say this, so I'm going to do that. Right. And then there's the conscious choice to to negate, but it's something that you pinpoint it as important enough to negate, right? And to challenge. Yeah. Families that leave room for that, for that conversation and that dialogue, um, I think tend to come back like. And this is mostly from my work in synagogue education, but I saw the, the families that were more observant on a daily or weekly basis whose children decided that that was not for them. If they or you know decided to rebel against it in whatever way, protest, um, if the families allowed for that dialogue around it as opposed to insisting um, and help the, the teens develop the understanding of why it's important, I've seen them flip back into it. Right. more often
1: okay, yeah no, well that's I'm, interesting too because then you're adding the role of the the parents re, their relationship with regards to how well they stick or if they're still inspired to when to continue being jewish when they continue learning and everything so right that's an interesting perspective
0: yeah I mean, it's a fascinating topic i mean i'd be curious yeah. to know if like it, if there's a way of avoiding the rebellion though you know like maybe that's a sign that lights we're doing something wrong and then kind of forcing them to have to go through that whole thing, which, and it may not be the best for them. Like maybe there's a better way, you know?
2: Well, the rebellion is part of development. The, the process of questioning and forming values right, is, is an important part of character development. All right. So what does
0: successful Jewish education in the future look like to you?
2: Successful Jewish education. I think it looks like Jewish community engaged in the age old Learning. Yeah,
0: I, like I feel learning. like I knew you were gonna say that because uh, you know, I mean it's like we've been doing this for a long time, right? Like the Jewish people and the study partners and the more formal yeah. and all of yeah. that is like, something that we mean, value. So you're saying like we're doing it right, let's just keep going and getting better. But you know
2: well, we're doing right. And I think that a lot of schools are doing it right. A lot of synagogues are doing it right where they are incorporating the the abilities of our time into the traditional structure right i mean there, there is certainly value of, of two people sit, sitting side by side without anything else and, and discussing text there is absolutely value in that but i feel like the educational environments that are also bringing in the current event conversation to that dialogue or bringing in what we've learned about educational technology or what we've learned about how people learn and de- Different ways that people learn, like virtual learning, is not the best way for everybody, right? And if we only stick to virtual learning, then um, we're doing a disservice to the people who, right, created that in a way that don't learn that way very well, right? right.
0: And I'm sure that that that's probably a big challenge uh, for anyone in your position at a school, just because you know, obviously, you recognize like it's an individual thing. You know, you got to like meet the each each child where they are. I guess, yeah.
1: Um, what role do you see technology playing in it? It's an ever-changing role. There's
2: there's some amazing tools out there that allow people to engage in ways that are meaningful to them.
0: We'll never be replaced by artificial intelligence, though.
2: that's <laughs> the important thing, right? Yeah, there you go. I don't know where I was going to go. Like, I don't <laughs> love technology myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do, I, I love what it can, uh, what we can do with it. And I know for a lot of kids being able to learn through like a flipped classroom model or mm-hmm. being able to learn through playing games on a screen is really great for them. I, I it's just not great for me. I don't like it
1: that way. Yeah. I guess there always has to be that in-person learning anyway. Yeah. There's something really special about that personal interaction. But there's also
2: something really special about being able to, you know, connect with somebody who's in Israel and learn together or, or talk together, or know about one another, right? Yeah, for definitely. Sure. I agree. Right, yeah, this
0: was great. Like, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, it was, you had really great answers and it was uh, evident why, uh, you know, you're in the position you are um, being a good educator. And yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to, to speak with you more about this and, and other things too.
2: For sure. Thank you for having me. It's been fun to have this conversation. Yeah, we really appreciate it.
0: Be well right. Samara. Keep it up.
1: Thanks. You too. Bye all guys. All the best and Shabbat shalom.
0: Shabbat Shalom.